0: Have you ever wondered how successful architecture, engineering, and construction companies scale their business?
1: Or have you ever wanted guidance on how to get more growth, wealth, and freedom from your AEC company? Well then, you're in luck. Hi, I'm Will Forrett. And I'm Justin Nagel, and we're your podcast hosts.
0: We interview successful AEC business leaders to learn how they use people, process, and technology to scale their businesses. So sit
1: back and get ready to learn from the industry's best. This is Building Building Scale. On today's show, we have our guest, Kit Osborne. Kit is the president of TW Frierson Contractors, Inc. He is a trained and licensed architect, but now is serving as president of TW Frierson. Frierson is a general contracting firm specializing in design, build, manufacturing, industrial, commercial, and institutional projects in the Southeast. T.W. Frierson has been the recipient of many awards, like tons, like unbelievably amount of tons. I, I went through the, there's a whole page. We'll probably put it in the notes. It's not many. I couldn't do all of them. Um, but the ones that really hit me uh, when I was looking through those uh, and specifically more recent was fast, Fastest Growing Company, uh, Private Company, Fast 50, Top 25 General Contractors and Top 100 Private Companies uh, by the National Business Journal. Um, And some of the projects have also been awarded uh, the award of excellence uh, for these projects and they are Dickerson County Justice Center. Oh, sorry, Dixon County Justice Center, Nashville Electric Service substation and Yazoo Brewing, uh, to name a few. And again, those are just the most recent ones. I'll I'll put the note in there to see all the awards because there's a whole bunch. so Kit and the rest of the Frierson team is proud of its history serving clients through uh, the core purpose, which is creating a foundation for people to thrive. And in recent years, they've become a 100% employee-owned company, which is really an extension of that core purpose, which for me is super, super exciting. Uh, and uh, above all, uh, Kit would tell you that he's happily married to Natalie for 24 years and is proud father of three children. Uh, and enjoys biking, sporting events, spending time with family, and reading Wendell Berry. So, Kit, I hope that that did it justice. Um, and welcome to the show.
2: Welcome, that's all I got. You've you've over uh introduced me, so uh, well done. Thank you so much, guys. I'm so excited to be here chatting with y'all today.
1: I, I think it's an under uh, you know, I always think it's an <laughs> under introduction. That's my personal opinion because. You know, obviously we've talked to each other a few times now and, you know, every time it's like, oh, you just learn a little bit more. And you're like, oh my God, I think, I think we always miss, uh, you know, human, human to human. It's like, man, humans are amazing. Like if you talk to a human for a (laughs) while, it's baffling how amazing they can be. And I think that you obviously have lots of stories, lots of tales, lots of experience, and we're really excited for you to share that with us today.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Likewise.
1: So uh, with that said, t- tell us your origin story, kid. I-, I said a couple things, but tell us about you and then tell us about the company and how you uh, became president of TW.
2: Wow. Well, thank you, uh, guys. Um, so I am raised, uh, was raised in Nashville, born and raised. It's unusual. We're such a fast growing city now that there's so many folks here that are coming from every other place. And uh, but I'm a native. And so I actually grew up on a farm, an old family farm where i was the seventh generation of my family to grow up there uh south of of nashville so i grew up on a farm i'm gonna admit to y'all i uh i um uh i was a city mouse that just happened to grow up in the country and uh so i i love going and visiting it's beautiful it's great uh but i'm not that's that's for somebody else and uh, uh so i grew up on a farm i loved working uh on the farm being with people using our hands fixing problems Um, I loved that part. Okay. So then I developed an interest in architecture, went to architecture school. um, And um, when I got out of architecture school, I went and worked with a great firm. Okay. I was at their office yesterday here in Nashville, a great firm. And after just shy of a year, you know, I thought I was going to be designing like museums and uh, monuments for the rest of my life. Um, And after a year, they actually laid me off. And uh, so the firm went from 36 to 30 on that one day some client um, uh, had sort of uh, dialed down their purchasing. And anyway, I, and, and uh, it was a sad day. Like in my life, I look back and I think, dang, in that moment, that was super sad. Um, what I did though, was I moved uh, from that location, I moved uh, here. To Frierson. So, we do design build uh, work here. We have an architecture firm on the other side of the building over here, and I just needed to work. I just needed to burn some, I needed some hours. I had bills to pay. So, I, I came over here, they had some work for me to do, and I worked for about uh, five months before going to grad school. And what I loved about this place and really how they did business was design build. Okay. So, I got to see, I got to sit with the client on like day one, and I got to actually talk to the foreman. Uh, for the concrete and the field to figure out, like, how are we going to detail something better? I got to, you know, hand the keys to the owner at the very end. And they like, let me do some of this stuff. You know, it was great. It was awesome. So I I look back on that on that day. And like I said, it was a sad day. That day I was sad. In the totality of my life, though, I look back I, and 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 a door was really open and sort of a way of doing business and contracting was open to me, which was much which is very team and partner and relationship based. And I loved it. So I went to grad school and coming out of grad school in St. Louis, I, I, um, you know, we considered staying in St. Louis, but instead we came back home. The the gravitational pull of home was real strong. So we came back uh, home and actually came back to Friarson. that was in 2002. So I've been here uh, ever since worked for uh, gosh, three or four years in our design group. And one day the leader of that group, the fellow that was, for leading us um he decided he was going to go do something else and i remember he came and he sat down and he brought us together and he told us that and i like waited until he got like around the corner and then i like ran upstairs and went to the corner office and i said hey i uh i want to do that can i do that job and they said well you're you know kit you're not licensed and i said okay so i went back and <laughs> and i had just finished like intern you know stuff and uh I took my exams over the next uh, six months and became licensed, and and, and I'm so grateful that they uh, let me assume that role. So I led the design group for a period of years, I can't, I don't know, 12 years, something like that. And, and at some point, I just felt a, a little a nudge or a calling that, hey, there may be something more, something else, take nothing away. I love our design group still. I have such an affection for them. Um, and I expressed an interest in sort of moving into pre-construction and business development for the contract. Side. So um, I moved over uh, to this side of the building in about 2017 and have been uh, helping in business development, pre construction, sort of knitting the design build process together, servicing customers. And then in January of 2021, uh, I stepped into uh, the role of president and I am, I serve. Listen, I, I mean, what does that mean? Earlier today, somebody said, Oh, you're president. What does that mean you do? And I said, it means I serve. It means I've got 160 families that are depending on so many people, and they're dependent on me to serve. Uh, So it's a great company. Uh, So that's how I sort of arrived in this seat today, um, a minute about Frierson. So we're uh, we're celebrating our 64th year of business, uh, second generation family-owned company that transitioned in 2016 to an ESOP. And I know we're going to probably speak a little bit more uh, on that. We've got about 160 employee owners, um, a proud, proud heritage and reputation here in the Nashville area. You know, we tell folks we'll happily provide references. I'd rather you just open the phone book, you know, and call someone, anyone, and just we'll we will live on that reputation. So, like you said, we do manufacturing, industrial, uh, distribution, commercial, institutional work. I was just at this beautiful, beautiful uh, sanctuary here. Um, nearby, uh, meeting with a client about doing some really cool re- renovations. We love that kind of work too. So, and what we do is this. So, we are still a do work general contractor of our 160 employee owners. There may be 60 or so in this office, and then there's 100 outside right now. It's really hot and they're out there. And I'm in here in air conditioning, um, talking to y'all. I'm glad to be doing that. But those folks are doing the hard. Work okay. So I'm here to support and serve them. And so within that hundred um, out in the field, we have we self perform concrete and we self perform steel. And then I like to say they're not out in the field, but we also self perform design. So we have architects uh, across there, and we have a shop um, out here about six um, gentlemen out there that just service all of the equipment, keep everything running at, out there. And uh, and like I said, we've we've gone through this ownership transition to being an ESOP. And I am so excited about that. And uh, we just achieved 100% last uh, fall, which is really, really uh, exciting. So that's just me, that's, that's how Kit arrived here and what a little bit about Friars in a the nutshell there.
1: No,
0: that's Wow. <laughs> we, we definitely need to dig into the, to the ESOP for sure, because- That's cool. Uh, it is, it, it definitely is cool. It's not something you yeah. hear as much about on the construction side. Definitely more on the manufacturing side. So we yep. definitely want to hear about, as this is kind of a recent journey, uh, right. it, uh, we really want to hear about what that looked like. Uh, Justin, why don't you take us through?
1: Yeah, what uh, one of the things that, that was very interesting to me when uh, lo- looking at your, you know, your core purpose, you know, your core focus, core purpose, creating yeah. a foundation for people to thrive. Mm-hmm. then becoming in an esop or you know this pairing of these two concepts to me was mm-hmm. l- literally i was like this is art like this is beautiful like this is gorgeous mm-hmm. um not sure how intentional or not intentional or whatever that is but oh my goodness mm-hmm. it was just magnifique. that's that's kind of yeah. where i went with that well, so yeah. um so t- 2016 or 2016 is when the start of the esop started right that's when things right. started to shift that way okay that's so right. then that first phase like take take us through this in 2016 what what's happening in the business that like this is the direction we're gonna go
2: sure sure so um a couple things about the core purpose um creating a foundation for people to thrive that is um really i mean as i was talking about this uh really irreverence of our uh, field teams that started a long long time ago you know we just put the core purpose like we put the words together a few years ago But it started back in the 70s with uh, really our first generation uh, owners, Ernie and Winston, and they had this uh, ambitious um, goal seems like too um, shallow of a word. It's really like almost a mission where they wanted to raise the profile of people that work in our industry, because like I said, I mean, they're doing the hard work, but you know how do we raise that profile so. uh, so ownership history tying this together so Ernie and Winston uh, sold the business to their sons in 2008 uh spring of 2008 and then you know lo and behold what happened in the fall <laughs> of 2008 I don't know and what I'll it say- is
1: I feel like everybody we talk to has a 2008 <laughs> component to their their story and it's it well, seems like it was like gravitational pull to that year <laughs> which obviously I mean, you guys are obviously still existing and all that stuff's good, but it has to be some yeah. hard times in that that chunk it of was. time for sure.
2: I was there and I, I was there, but I wasn't in the you know corner office and 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 wringing my hands and 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 all that. I uh, so in 2008, Ernie and Winston sold the business 50-50. Ernie and Winston 50-50 partners. They sold it to their sons, 50-50 partners, which I think a lot of like you know, business folks would say that's a very bad idea it was a beautiful thing because they were so tightly knit. And, um, um, uh, and I give Dean and Dell an incredible amount of of credit for the way that they held the company together. And listen, I I don't know anyone that was thriving during that time, but we did pretty well. And, uh, and we sort of kept folks in as much as possible. And I give them tremendous credit. So fast forward uh, a few years to uh, 2015 or so. And I think Dean and Dell began to sort of see how do we um, how do we sort of succeed uh, the ownership of this business? And I'm sure that they looked at all kinds of, uh, of options. Um, you know, they, within their family, they each have daughters who just aren't interested uh, in the business. They didn't have any sort of other cousins or relatives really engaged in the business at that time. They could have sold, you know, the, the, the book and the client list to some, you know, a big company perhaps. Um, but they had that sort of uh, inborn um honor and like a, a, a dignity uh, for our culture and for the people that have brought us to this uh, place um, the family and so they discovered an ESOP so employee stock ownership plan so in 2016 um, a, an ESOP trust was set up and it purchased one-third of the company so one-third of the company now is owned by the ESOP the other two-thirds are owned by Dean Dell um, and it's a great thing I mean ESOPs are uh, so are, are, are tax favorable, so we don't pay, you know, federal income tax. Uh, those dollars come through and are put in folks' accounts. So every employee owner, after a series of conditions, right, are are members of this ESOP trust. And they each have shares, and the share value increases as long as we perform. It, share value increases every year, and everyone gets more shares every year. So it's this sidecar retirement plan. And it's really to say, I mean the the sum of it is our core purpose. We're creating a foundation here, theSA, for people to thrive. So this is in hopes that we sort of raise that profile of every employee owner uh, here. And my hope is is that it continue, I mean, yes, it's within these walls. It's also within our industry in general, because I'm just I'm amazed at the work that uh, that the men and women in our industry do every day. Um so, So last so we finished off paying, so it's like a mortgage. We took down, we bought a third of the house with this mortgage and then the other two thirds uh, we bought uh, actually last fall. So we paid off the first uh, third, hallelujah, uh, and then uh, we executed uh, an agreement to buy the second third or the, the remaining two thirds. Um, November 1st of last year. And we had a big celebration. We, we cleared out our shop and we fed everybody and we brought up, we shut the jobs down, brought everybody in. It was awesome. It was just great. And to your point about, you know, I think, I think the ESOP is sort and, and our culture was like a hand in glove. It was just, the culture already was there. It was like the, the field was rich uh, and fertile for the ESOP. And um, it's been a great, it's been a great, great thing
1: so two things one what what is the culture like what you know like culture is an interesting word that gets thrown around about like lots of things that i, I know i have mentioned this on the show a bunch of times like people that really understand culture know it's not a pinball machine in the lunchroom right they know that that's not what culture is they know it's not hey well we we bought somebody lunch you know twice a year so now we have culture it's like that's not culture right so what right. what is culture at Frierson? and since the esop change right you know what what changes in that culture have happened?
2: Oh, that's great. That's a great question. So our our culture, I think, is probably both is probably best sort of um, uh, summarized by one of our core values, which is sort of our overarching core value of uh, treat others like family. Uh, we genuinely feel uh, like a family. We have we have people in this office and field that like vacation together, and uh, and they kayak on the weekends together, and there's a running club. And there's all kinds of stuff. So it's so I think that's the culture. It's very organic, like you said. It's not the whatever soft serve machine or something. You know, it's although that'd be cool. Uh, i was about to say it, I, uh, I I
1: would like to position a <laughs> soft serve machine. That would be amazing.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think um, so. What the ESOP does um, is it complements that. Okay, so uh, in our culture, I don't know how to describe it more than just family. That people have a genuine honest, like care for each other. And in an ESOP, uh, we're actually working for each other. You know, I, it, uh, I have to accomplish these tasks today and I have to do them really well because there is, um, there are retirees who retired last November whose share value, depends on it. And in the field, hey, if we can, if we can pour uh, one more bay's worth of spread footings on this day, Will be that much more efficient, and it'll increase the share value by that much. And that is that's the beauty of it. And uh, and when when you can when you can combine this sort of like family culture where we genuinely do care about each other, and you enter and you inject care into like actual performance of the business, um, that's a that's kind of like jet fuel onto it. And um, it's been a cool thing. I think um, as we started uh, the ESOP. Um, We had to really sort of, um, there's a lot of education involved. And uh, I'll be the first to tell you, I'm an architect. I don't have like the financial brain. So it took a lot of education for Osborne uh, here. But just to say, how does this actually work? You know, am I, uh, you know, telling the why? Why are we doing this, FESAP? And how does it actually work? And is it, it's really a gift? And it, and it really, it really is. So there's been a lot of education, a lot of us, we'd call it the roadshow where two or three times a month uh, there's a, uh, a group of folks uh, here in the office that'll pile up sandwiches and we'll go to a job site and we'll you know like everybody comes in for lunch or we sit in a tree or get in the trailer or whatever and we just have we we eat we enjoy fellowship together uh, and then we say let's talk about the ESOP and at first it was sort of like all right let's start with some questions now the questions are coming at us uh, which I think is great and I you know there's a lot of questions that come to me and I have to like you know, look lateral to the CFO <laughs> or someone else. Um, but there's a lot of education that has to take
0: place because it's important. So uh, I want to stay on this education route real quick for yeah, a second. Okay. Um, because what's interesting about an ESOP is the ownership mentality, like the 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 mm-hmm. change in thinking. Essentially, it goes from top level, you know, that mm-hmm. where they're the only ones that are thinking about how to make those decisions to, well, mm-hmm. now everyone... Needs to make those type of decisions, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you have to sort of level anyone's thinking or level up uh, uh, multiple people's thinking in you know about how to make decisions in the in the business and you know when you made this change and what did you guys do? Sure. So um,
2: I think one thing that we did was you know now that we're now that it's not like we're still privately held, but it's by a whole lot of folks, right? right. Um, we uh, Open the books. We start sharing financial performance and data, and uh, and that's different. And um, it's different than we have been. And so every um, every month we communicate uh, to the entire company. Uh, sometimes it's in person at events, and other times, like yesterday, we had um, a Zoom, a town hall. This is really an output of COVID, like COVID put us all on Zoom, right? Well, we, we, we started this um, once a month to communicate. We wanted to be together so badly. So we started doing these uh, Zoom town halls. Nine o'clock, break time on every job site. Um, folks come in, uh, get around the Zoom, and uh, we start sharing uh, these five, what we call critical numbers. And some of them are, are financial. And our critical numbers are, first one always starts with safety, has to start with safety. How many incidents are we tracking for this quarter? Um safety is a paramount core value for us. Um, so uh, safety uh, incidents. The next one is um, contract backlog. How much, how much, how, how much dollars have we put into contract in this past quarter? And we show a goal and we show our current status. And sometimes we we end up over that goal and sometimes we don't uh, on a quarter by quarter basis. Now we're sharing this information. Um, gross profit, we share that quarter by quarter, month by month against a quarterly goal. We share that. We share discounted marketing backlog, which is really like, what are we working on that's not (laughs) yet to contract? How likely is it? It's a big gross number. Um, And then the last number that we share is probably the most sensitive one, which is we call it dollar net gain. That means on a project, we're scheduled to make uh, $100 a fee. Right now we're projected to make $101. Well, that's $1 net gain. Uh, this business is hard. <laughs> and that's almost like a perfect score, right? Uh, so many times that gets lowered, right? And instead of $100 we're going to make, we're only going to make $90. And sharing that, it can be a little sensitive. So actually, recently, we've had to share that Hey, we've probably taken a few uh, hits, I think, in the, in the continuum of supply chain and the difficulty and inflation and all that stuff. I think everyone's probably taken a few hits. And so we had to be really, I mean, we wanted to tell the truth, first of all, okay? Let's tell the truth. We're all employee owners. We owe it to each other. Let's tell the truth. And we had to sort of talk about, put that number into context, because if someone can look at that number and they can say, my goodness, we're losing money, which is not true. We're not, we're just not hitting the profit uh, target, actually. So we went through sort of a historical analysis and said, listen, everyone, we're we're in great shape. This has happened before. We got five more months to go, you know, chop wood really hard and make uh, and, and get that back. And it actually was a great thing. And uh, I was real nervous about it. I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna sleep, you know, the night before. Uh, but it actually was really good. So we start, you have to, I think, I think you have a duty to all employee owners to tell that story and
0: tell the truth. Um, so that's a difference. That's a big change. So, okay, but hold on truth right but uh if someone doesn't understand the numbers that you're giving them like let's say gross profit right like what does that actually Mm -hmm. mean right so there's there's a level of financial literacy that everyone needs to have in order to understand well how good or how bad because if you have if you give a number and this is you know this is quote unquote oh that looks bad you might have people ex- running towards the exits because they're going, oh yeah. shit! This company's going terrible. When that's not not true at all, right? It's just eh, there's some ups and there's some some downs. So did you have to do anything there, like to educate, kind of? I guess the employees, the ones that just turn to owners. Yeah. So so we have not yet, but uh, but on our road show, I talked
2: about our ESOP road show. So we we do that, and now we've done that for gosh six you know, seven years, um, going on seven years now. And, um, we have now talked about almost creating a curriculum, uh, so that when we go uh, to job sites, we may visit a job site for four or six times during the life cycle of that project, depending on how long it is. You know, it, I'd, I'd like to have three or four, let's call them slides, posters that shows what you're talking about. Let's just hit the basics here, everybody, you know, gross net, GNA. Let's just hit the basics right there. And then we can talk about them. So now you're developing like a vocabulary that we can all uh, understand, even an architect (laughs) can understand. Sorry, architects out there, I'm not representing you very well. But, um, uh, but, but so yes, so, um, and in fact, um, last fall, we, um, we made a key hire. And I think um, one thing that this, that this company, I think, has always done a good job, and I can't take credit for this. They've always said, if we are serious about going and doing something, then we need, to, we need to sort of appoint someone and that's their role. And, you know, one of the uh, uh, former owners would say that, you know, 20 years ago, they did that with HR. You know, it was like one of the owners of the company was uh, whatever, you know, uh, uh, running uh, 401k benefits, you know? <laughs> and so they, they said, no, we're gonna go hire like a real professional. Um, and that's been a great thing. So last fall, we said, we need to get real serious about training. And uh, teaching, training, investing in talent, uh, in people who are here, and so we hired um, Jake, a, our talent and training director, and uh, and one of his tasks is exactly this: How can we build in financial literacy uh, to a place where this, where the ESOP is not as abstract? Okay, and when we can talk about like actual company performance on a month by month or quarter by quarter, and certainly year by year basis, and people. Um, can really understand it and take hold of it and then take action uh because of it um you know i'll share this um we as part of our talent and training um many many years ago uh we had a financial literacy financial basics uh course and i bring this up because gosh it was two or three years ago um one of our long-time superintendents um retired and we went up and we um and we took him to lunch on his last day, Tony. And uh, and we're sitting there at lunch, and Tony said, "You know, I wouldn't be sitting here today, retiring. This wouldn't be my last day if y'all hadn't." I said, "Y'all, I had nothing to do with it. If y'all hadn't um, uh, established this class that I took in like 2006 or something like that, and it was a you know quarter long class about budgeting and saving and retirement and all this other stuff." And um, he said, "I wouldn't be here retiring if I if y'all hadn't done that." And I think that's really beautiful. So he said, "Why don't y'all do that again?" And so we, we did uh, just this uh, this past year. And um, I think that's like that's that's more that's obviously more of a personal financial uh, literacy. But to your point, yes, we're beginning to wrap around this ESOP financial literacy, and it gets gets complicated fast uh, on the ESOP for sure.
1: That's a great that's a great example of creating a foundation uh, yeah. for letting people thrive. Right. I mean, yeah, I think, I think yeah. a lot of companies, uh, you know, certainly in the industry the discretion industry, um, you know, may like golf at the idea that you should have a core purpose or core focus of things. Mm-hmm. But sure. when you really put something that's important and actually is meaningful in place, it changes so much. It's not just little, like one thing here and there it is, It changes the nature and the culture obviously of the business so like stories like that can be reality and then you know if that's the belief that you've had since the 70s or 80s right like that makes an esop a reality if if you don't believe if you don't believe in that you're selling that company off to whomever or you know a bigger gc or whatever it is and i think that that's a good it's a it's just a good example of like how small businesses can really benefit when they really Think about like things like that, uh, is what I
2: would say. And I would say our, the the process by which we like arrived at those words, creating a foundation for people to thrive, um, you know, uh, I, I will say I did it the wrong way before, <laughs> which was I like went holed up and I like had my sheet of paper and I was like heat mapping and all this stuff. And, uh, and then we posted something. Everybody's like, all right, I guess so. But no one could remember. It. Okay. So about three years ago, we were like, all right, forget that. And I'm in the corner like, wait a second. I worked real hard on that. And, um, and, uh, and someone helped lead us through this. And they said, y'all have an incredible culture. You have an incredible family. Let's, let's just take an hour or two and let's just tell stories. So we told like 60 years worth of stories. And meanwhile, we're like, you know, doing the same, like mapping and stuff. And so, and then out of that came our core values and out of that came our, uh, core purpose. And so what I love about our core purpose is that it's literally mined out of the history of the company. And I love that. It's not like we when reinvented something, you know, no, like what we have is special. And so we just mind it and put words onto it. Um, so I appreciate you saying
0: that because it's one of the things that I'm, I'm most, most proud of. Well, they're, they're not aspirational core values, right? You, you don't have 15 or 20 core values and like more than half of them are aspirational. Like you're right. core values are supposed to be what you represent, not what you're trying to strive towards. Sure. Sure. So yeah. exactly. I definitely appreciate that.
2: Yeah, well, I appreciated someone doing it right because <laughs> I because the first go around I did not. Uh-huh.
1: Hey, but that goes to the point of like putting the right person in the right place. Just like Jake, right? Getting hey tra- training. We're gonna get serious about training. Let's. Well, Jake yeah. is the solution to that for you guys. Um, yeah. So it, you know, it, based on this conversation, every why would you have an ESOP? Everything is great and rosy and wonderful. What's the hardest part, uh, or what was the hardest part about implementing an ESOP into place?
2: Yeah, it's a good question. I think it's some, um, I think I think initially, if I'm being really candid, there was a skepticism. Like nothing's free, nothing's just a gift, you know. And and we and and in the communication, there was, um, listen, every all benefits are going to remain. Okay, all benefits. This is just now that we're now that you know we won't pay uh, income tax. You know, we have debt to pay down. Obviously, we just bought part of a house. You know, we got a mortgage. But when we get that paid down, and as it's paid down, uh, there's going to be benefits that come from that. So, I, so um, I think the best way to educate is we talk, you know, we tell the story, we talk, we tell the lie, we go to and, and, and try to help with like the financial literacy, which I need every single time. And um, the best way to do it is that uh, there's a result. When someone sees, oh, what they said what Dean and Dell told us, what that CFO told us, what Kit's talking about, what would have happened, you know? And you get a statement every year that shows your balance and you see, wow, you know, the price is going up and I got more shares. And then I'll say this, you know, when we started this again, six or seven years ago, we talked about, you know, teams, um, there will be an opportunity for us to do some things that are transformative. And, um, and so last fall, um we had our employee celebration event so we always close down the fiscal year about a week or so after like i said we shut we shut down our shop our shop is so hospitable clears everything out sets up tables a b we have a whole you know feed everybody and um and during that time uh we announced four things okay we announced that we're 100 ESOP. we just announced, hey we just fulfilled this transaction that was like a modest um uh, applause like everyone's kind of like golf clapping way to go um, the next one was, uh, Hey, we're giving everyone a hundred dollar bill. There's a theme here, right? Man, I've got a lot of applause, right? Give me a hundred dollar bill. Uh, that was a good one. Uh, uh the next one was we're paying hundred percent individual healthcare coverage, which we had not done before. And I yeah. will say that got like a standing ovation. That was a big, that was a big one. Yeah. Uh, and that's because we did, that's because of the ESOP. That's because of the ESOP and savings and what we can now go do. And I'll share the last, the last one was we shut down the, the the, the company between Christmas and New Year, which we had never done before. And, and we still like paid, you know, hourly uh, folks. Now that one, I thought the place was going to come apart. I mean, it was like, <laughs> it was a huge ovation and especially from our steel workers. They were really, really excited. Um, but so we're so I think, you know, when you know something has taken root a little bit is when you can actually like, prove it. And and last fall, I think we took a step forward in proving it. And it's not anything I did. It wasn't. This isn't Santa Claus. Like everyone worked for it, like everyone in this company helped work for it and earned it. Um, and uh, and so that's, I think, how you can really you know make it effective, make it real.
0: Okay, so, uh, because everyone is an owner, right now with yeah. the ESOP in place, does that mean that everyone has the right to say something about some other department?
2: Um, it it does. Um, yes, everyone uh, is welcome uh, to bring uh, feedback, and um, you know, we have some spirited feedback uh, at times. I was on a call this morning where. One of our departments was a little less than happy with another one, and we talked through it. And uh, being 100% employee owned was brought up. Um, Guys, we're in this together. We're going to solve this, and we did. And uh, uh, so, absolutely, it does. And I think this, you know, there was one, you know, someone's like, well, um, does that mean I get to decide, you know, whatever? Um, you know, where we're going to have the event this year, or if we're going to move the office or something like that. It's like, well, not, not, not exactly. Uh, no more than if I, you know, I own a share of Apple stock. I don't, you know, I don't call Cupertino and, and, and give them a recommendation. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> what it means is that uh, it means that again, we're all in this uh, together and, and feedback is really, really good. And, uh, and I hope that it sort of empowers uh, folks to bring feedback because we need to get better i mean i'm we, uh, we're not a perfect uh group and uh, we certainly uh, need to get better i got plenty of room for that
1: it's it's the real deal too I, our our intro call is just for our listeners our intro call um kit was in the car uh with i don't mm. and i don't remember who you're with you're with somebody leanne. Another person. well yeah you're with <laughs> leanne in the car and we're coming back from a job site and i think one of the first things i said is like Man, do you go to job sites often? As the president of a contractor, you know, like that's that's not generally the place that they live anymore, right? Um yeah. And you were doing an ESOP, uh, you know, like lunch. We brought some sandwiches. He told me this, and it was wow, that, that's awesome. It was it was immediate. Like, oh no, this is real. Like this is this isn't just you know the marketing, and this isn't just the we say this for retention yeah. and and you know hiring and all that. So, no, this is just this is what we do, which was right. really 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 cool. Um, sure can uh, so uh let, let's let's talk a little bit about training so you said that that was a big push right you guys you made a higher um yes, sir. so one you know what 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 is your training like how, how how does that look and um talk to us about uh your videographer friend that's how i'm going to refer to them uh, oh, in cool. regards to training so yeah. t- t- tell us yeah. about jake and like what he's bringing to the table here and then um sure. the videos
2: so jake is getting going um uh, what we've accomplished to date is this: uh, we have a much more robust onboarding uh, program. And as you might imagine, onboarding is can mean all kinds of different things. You know, when we onboarded earlier this week, we had an assistant project manager and um, and an estimator uh, on board. Okay, that looks like one thing. And there's a whole day that Jake is scripted out and you're gonna get this kind of training and this kind of IT training and this kind of safety training. I mean, everybody gets safety training. No one is immune to safety. And um, now in the field, it looks a little bit more robust. It's two days. So when a a steel worker or a carpenter uh, comes and starts this Monday, um, they will have two days of scripted training. Uh, And much of it is safety. Uh, It is aerial lift. It's OSHA 10. It's very uh, it's certified training, so that when on next Wednesday, uh, when when that um, new employee owner walks on to that job site, that job site leader, superintendent, field leader knows this person's been trained uh, in these few things. So I think that's been a great sort of um, um, scripted in the right word. It's like a path. Um, and um, and we've even expanded that. So safety is such a big thing, and 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 I think the data will prove within our industry that um, no one is immune to safety. But if Kit uh, walked onto a job site today and started uh, working uh, in the field, the most likely time for me to experience uh, a safety incident on that job site is the first ninety days. And um, so we have historically had a Uh, Sort of a script about that ninety days, where that individual has a hard hat, um, and it's red, so that everyone can sort of like let's let's keep an eye on Kit over there. He's you know, let's help him. Let's look out for him and help him. Well, you still got a red
1: hat, don't you, Kit?
2: (laughs) I I should, I absolutely should. So, but what we did was, you know, Jake came in and said, hey, um, you know, ninety days is cool, but is there any like intentionality about that? And I thought, you know, is it true that someone could be really like have achieved all these safety things and learned more quickly that than that and is it also true that they could not it could be 120 days and they still not sort of have that and we said yeah that's exactly right so he's taken that program and sort of rescripted it and made instead of just like time and there's actual objectives there um and so if someone wants to race through that I love it let's do it let's race through it Um, And if someone's not ready, then they're not ready uh, for that. So I think that's really cool. The other thing that I'll say is our intern program. So we have an intern program and, um, and Jake has taken that and just, and he's put, I mean, it's almost like a real course where week by week by week, uh, there's a script about, you're going to be with this group and that group and in the field with the steel workers and in the field with the concrete form, uh, uh, form workers, and you're going to come out with these objectives every week and at the end and I don't mean like at the end of the summer I mean like at the end of each of those sessions you present like so uh Hannah and Mason have been with us this summer and they're spectacular and they uh and they and I've sat in a couple of presentations and it's been so great so he's taken that hold uh as well um and just a couple of the sort of training initiatives there okay so the last was the videographer so the um uh, a few years ago so we self-perform you know, like I said, steel and concrete. And there's a couple of, um, and there's, you know, we do a lot of work that's very, very complex, work at Nissan uh, plants, Polaris, FedEx, some really sort of heavy industrial stuff. And you know, some of those things are are, are are very unique and complex. Other of them is more sort of um, uh, routines, not the right word, but repeatable, if that makes sense. And so we actually, a few years ago, had a videographer come and, and videoed how many, you know how many man hours does it take to run a hundred feet of spread footing or uh, strip footing? Okay, well let's video that, and then we need to go back and analyze that data. And now we have some efficiency baselines to go back off of. And that I think that's been a cool um, uh, uh, sort of uh, uh, again the use of the word again mining of data. Um, okay well, what, what was that problem there? How come that truck didn't come there? What if that truck had been there sweating for a half hour earlier? Wouldn't that have been you know, better? So we can learn from that. And I think we have to, the posture we have to take is one of pure humility in that because Kit does not know how to uh, pour that footing. I'll tell you all right now. Uh, but everybody out there sure does. And, uh, and if, I take a, if I take a posture of, let me show you guys this video and how you did it all wrong. Boy, that's not going to go well. <laughs> so, so we have to take this real posture of humility and, and and then intersect the Aesop and say, listen, we're all in this together. I think let's look at this together and see, are there ways that, that, that foreman could have been, you know, uh, whatever, wrecking the uh, form work off of the last you yeah, whatever the case is. And um, so, but that has been a good tool, uh, absolutely, for sure, the videographer. That, that kind of, that brings up a, uh,
1: brings up a good question, I think. So, you know, Obviously initiatives happen. like, you know, we, we try to push the envelope as much as we possibly can and sure. not, things don't always go the way that we, we intend them. Even if it seems like, oh, this makes yeah. tons of sense. Let's do all these things. Um, yeah. Like uh, like a lean management comes to, comes to mind of thinking of like, oh, well, you know, you know, pushing, a, uh, pushing an initiative to the field guys mm-hmm. can totally backfire on us. So mm-hmm. like, what have you seen like kind of, in that, like it's kind of to your example of like if you tried to go back and say, hey, this is how yeah. you should be doing it. How, like, yeah, do you have experiences with that and kind of explain you know your experience in that?
2: Well, I'm I'm unfamiliar with uh, initiatives failing. So I don't know if you have
1: another. <laughs> oh, question, there's no, there's no feedback.
2: <laughs> no, all right. We're no, perfect. No, no, there, there's a no, no, I got unfortunately I got a whole drawer full of those. Uh, I uh, uh, so the one that comes to mind is it's, obviously, it, it's honestly bringing a couple of these sort of topics together, which was um, uh, a few years ago, we got real serious about lean. We're self-performed contractors. We do self-perform work. That's gonna be a few, that, that's who we are. That's like our ethos. Um, you know, A lot of contractors are sort of brokers of, of work and subcontractors. That's not who we are. I mean, yes, we have to do some of that, but we love doing the work. And um, so we said, well, boy, this lean uh, sort of uh, uh, mentality is really necessary for us. Now that we're going into ESOP, same, all these things are intersecting. And so um, we employed that, that, um, um, that strategy that we talked about before. Well, we're not gonna, it's not gonna be somebody's part-time job here. It's not gonna be, you know, the architect is gonna you know, devote half a day a week to that. We have to really commit to it. And so we interviewed, we had this great uh, hire, uh, uh, this gentleman came in um, and after a couple weeks, uh, he became he uh, began exhibiting uh, um, behaviors and using words that weren't uh, aligned with our core values. And like like when I was talking about being humble, uh, he, on 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 his last day, uh, he 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 made a, a comment about um, that he could grab you know anyone off that street corner, bring him over here, and train him to do as good a job as these guys, like by the next day. And at that, at that moment, (laughs) we realized this is not going to work, you know? And, uh, and so um, uh, we wished him all the best, uh, but that was not, that was in conflict with our core values. And so that was certainly a time uh, when our lean initiative took a hit right there. Right. And even as leadership, it was like, we've been preaching this, promoting this, and we bring you know this, we actually brought this in the house. you know what I mean? and uh, yeah. and then, but I hope that you know we sort of took care of that. we said that kind of behavior is not at all what we're talking about. and uh, and I think that's I think, listen, we all have to have this attitude of humility. I tell when i when I am working with um, clients, you know sometimes on design and programming and all this stuff, I have to warn them sometimes and say, listen, i i'm gonna I'm gonna share a lot of ideas. And not all of them are good. (laughs) So, so bear with me when a real dumb one comes out, it's just, I got to move through that and get to the next one. And I think, you know, that's sort of an example of that. Like we had to be humble and say, we could have said, no, 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 we, we, we need to stick with this guy. We need to stick with him and get out there. But I think we need to be humble and say, you know what, we missed it uh, on this one. And, uh, but, and we're not going to compromise on our core values. We're just not, uh, we'll do, we'll do lean a different way. And uh, so that that's that's one, that's uh, you know that's a, a little bit of a sore example. And uh, and I apologize, to employee owners uh, out there, uh, we made a bad hire there. We did it, <laughs> but we took care. Of, we were humble and we took care of it. Uh, but that is one that we that we did learn from for sure. That's
1: uh, I mean, but that. The thing is, is really weird. Is like hiring's hard. Like it doesn't matter. Like I mean, like recruiter, you know, like you don't. You can have an in-house recruiter. All, I mean, hiring is yeah. hard. That is yeah. a real difficult thing because, yeah. like, you unless you're unless you're asking them to do the job prior to right. actually hiring them, it's like sure. it's impossible to know what the outcome is going to be. I mean, obviously, there's indicators that give some idea, but like, I mean, hiring is so difficult. So, but I think it's what's more important is when realizing that you just don't got the right person in the right seat and hey that that's you know this is business and we, we gotta we gotta move on and staying true to your core values that right. is way more powerful than any one individual right i mean like what is that the phil jackson uh he, he says like the greatest uh the greatest uh piece of a team is the individuals but the greatest thing for individuals is the team like that mm-hmm. the idea that like you have to you have to have everybody working hard and have everybody working in right direction but like it's not an individual game it's always a team game even though it's driven by individuals behavior so um i I always found i always found that really good i'm so okay so that that that's a that's a good one Uh, that's a that's a fun (laughs) one um yeah probably probably a sticky situation and probably maybe one that uh you know, as as the other owners of, of the company uh, listen to this podcast, they're probably like, "Yeah, that guy, uh, he was great. Thanks." I, <laughs> I think that
2: I think that crew that he spoke to that day was pretty proud of our decision. Um, I, so. <laughs>
1: I guarantee that. I guarantee that. Um, yeah, so let's talk about technology. Will let's let's sure. let's dive into that.
0: Yeah, let's do that. So, uh, you know, I want to. You talked about clients a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. I. I want to know, do you use technology to win business? And if so, what is it that you guys do?
2: Yeah, yeah, uh, we have used it um, on a couple, I'm going to think of two occasions here where how can we leverage technology to sort of differentiate ourselves? Um, In our, some of our work um, is regarded, uh, and and I mean, some of the projects that we work on are regarded more as commodities than they are like, everyone's special baby okay so in when you're when you're competing on a commodity you really have to separate yourself so i'm going to say there's two examples uh, of that one we were pursuing a very high profile um, uh, client first uh, project uh, opportunity with them the project is actually you know like one block over uh, my uh, left shoulder uh, over here the site was and so this became very important to us and we all got in a room team and we just started spitballing ideas and somebody said hey I think we should do like uh, a custom uh, uh, video and we were like okay yeah well I'll get my phone and then and they're like no, no 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 we need to like hire a professional and so we didn't so we hired a professional they came in and we had our team meeting in here and then he like followed us out like literally walked you know over to the job site and we like you know like we rushed that through in the video like it, you know advanced it through and um and we submitted that and the client uh came back uh, the owner's rep for that client after after we were, were awarded and they said, um, and it wasn't me. They said, uh, Ben, we have never seen any uh, any submittal like that. We've never seen anyone go to that like intentionality to drive home. Now we weren't just like doing a shiny video with you know whatever flashes and explosions. We wanted to tell the story of why our team was the best for this job and uh, And he gave us that exact feedback. So that was one um, really successful, and I'm so proud of our team for thinking of that. And the other one, you know we are uh, we're design builders. So uh, about half of our work is is design build on a revenue basis, and then half is other sort of traditional partnerships with other AE firms um, around. And on one project that actually we did not design, but we invited uh, some of our team to sort of help us in this proposal, Big tile plant, okay? So nearly a million square foot uh, 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 manufacturing plant where they make ceramic tile. And we're competing for this. It's very competitive. That market's very, very competitive. So we had to differentiate ourselves. So we built, so we had, I asked our design team to come in. They built a BIM model, scheduled it, modeled it. Well, they modeled it and then scheduled it, animated it, and it had certain stop points over certain milestones. Hey, we're going to sequence this job this way. By the time we get here, this pond will be made. And so then we can route around this way. And really, it helped helped the client sit there during this interview and they could see this team has already built this job. And they already built it. Um, They're proving, they're showing us how they've already built it. And they're showing us the finish line that's so important to them. They got to start putting tile out. Um, and we feel really certain about these guys because of that. So I think that was a use of technology that really is, is sort of grown out of who we are, like being design builders. We're thinking that way sort of all the time. Um, so I think those are a couple of, of examples. Um, I, you know, I, So that's how we've won business. Um, I think technology, I, I'm going to talk a little bit like abstract about technology just for a second, and I'll land the plane here, I promise. So technology is wonderful, right? We all think it's great. Well, it does actually um, also introduce um, more variables into the equation. And construction, particularly if you're doing design build, um, it is a multi-variable problem that is uh, happening in different municipalities in different weather every day in different everything different subs coming there's so many variables that I think what we've what we've worked to do is take technology and instead of increasing variables like oh I have to go input this that or the other I have to go check this box on this other thing it really needs to reduce variables and so I think um, uh, we uh, have to be careful of that and so uh, one example um, that comes to mind recently is you know on job sites where um, if I'm if if I start on Monday and I go out there on Wednesday, there's a lot that I need to know uh, uh, as a laborer about the company, about benefits, about you know, whatever. What do I do if this happens? Uh, what's that material over there? Is that glue going to make me um, sick? What you know, all these things. And so what we developed actually, what's everybody got on a job site? Everybody's got a hard hat, and uh, so we actually uh, made a QR code. Uh, sticker that goes on the hard hat. And so if I'm there and I say, you know what, I really, I need to learn about this. I take my hard hat off and I go and I, you know, I hit the QR code and it can pull up all this information from MSDS data sheets on different, you know, materials that are on site to whatever, uh, OSHA uh, rules to all kinds of stuff. And I think that is a way where we've just reduced variables. You know, all the, you know, you know, you know the big like bulletin board that's on every you know, everywhere that's got all the things on it. I think we probably still have those, but the idea was how can we replace that and use technology? So it's in one spot, it's in one QR click. And uh, so I think that's a cool way to sort of take variables and reduce them. Um, so I, that's a couple different ways. We, didn't, we haven't won any work with the QR code yet, but, uh, <laughs> but I'm still really proud of it uh, for our employee owners.
1: I feel like uh, when we talked, you were very humble about your technology uses. You were saying, you know, you know, we're 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 you know, we do things, but and then this is new. Like we didn't even hear about this before. So like you're you just keep piling on the uses of technology that you are you guys are using, which is amazing. It's so I mean. That like that's such a smart idea. Like I don't know who had it, whichever employee owner had it. Kudos to them. My my know. construction cap off to you. And wow. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, a gold star for them for sure. It was not me. Uh, it, I think it actually originated out of our safety uh, group. Um, so I'm so I'm proud of them. And thank you for saying that. And uh, we and you're right. We probably do use technology more than I let on.
0: So. Uh, as much as i want to talk more tech we got to ask you our last question for the show yeah if you were to go back in time 20 years what would you tell yourself
1: that's 2002 you were just starting back again with friar i was that's right just learned today so i
2: went into it (laughs) yeah i I, my first office was a, a eggplant purple underground room that was built like literally for drafting and uh uh yeah. Okay. So let me go back there, and I'm going to talk to Kid right now uh, in that room. So here's what I would say, and and these are lessons that uh, I do wish someone had told me: is um, uh, you got a great team around you, um, lean on them, uh, and ask for help. Uh, I think I think in our industry, uh, it probably attracts people who are uh, who are uh, ambitious and like to solve problems. Are proud when they did. Like pride is a beautiful thing in our industry, and especially, and I'll say, especially in our company, if uh, our our field leaders are so proud of the quality that they produce, and um, and sometimes that pride will will um, uh, may uh, make you not ask for help. So I would tell myself, lean on the team, ask for help. I think, or for help. I'd say this, guys, I, and I think I think this is really important. Um, Our industry has a really scary performance of mental health. It's a really uh, significant problem in our industry right now. So I would tell, I would tell myself and anyone in our industry right now, I'd say, take care of yourself and look after uh, other folks, Uh, enjoy your family, enjoy time uh, with your family. And, um, and maybe the last thing is this, because I'm, you know, I've been at, uh, I mean, I feel blessed to have, um, have been here uh, for so long. And I'm not alone. There's a lot of other folks that have been here for a very long time. And I would tell myself 20 years ago, I would like get really excited. This is, it's going to be an amazing journey. And some of your best friends are going to be some of those that you look around and that you went and climbed that mountain together. You know, those are going to be some of your incredible, you know, best friends. And the other thing is, I was uh, at this church i was I was at here uh, earlier today. Um, we just finished the satellite church uh, for this church and uh, and one of the um, one of the administrators there came over and said, "Oh, I was talking to Heather, and uh, she just said how much she enjoyed that time uh, with your team. And I couldn't like I needed to reciprocate that tenfold because these are some of like my friends now, like Heather Cliff, we still need to go have a beer together. Uh, uh, I and so I would tell myself, you're going to make incredible friends. Some of those you work alongside and others are going to be your clients uh, and you're going to develop this incredible relationship with them. So get really pumped up about that. That's what I tell myself. <laughs> that's a crazy good question. That's like a, that's a tough one guys, but, uh, but that's what it that was I'm very insightful.
0: Oh, I like that. Very. It was very authentic. So thank you. Thank yeah. you for sharing. I'm sure people that are listening to this, uh, especially if, whether it's from your company or, at, or anywhere else <laughs> i think they'll rethink uh what they're you know what they want to tell themselves you know going back in time 20 years so yeah that's, a that's tough. Yeah.
1: all right uh so uh we are going to drop in all your social links and all that kind of fun stuff uh in the show notes um and is there any last uh word that you would give uh advice wise for anybody listening
2: no, I wouldn't I'd just say thank you. Thanks for walking through. I think the ESOP journey is, is exciting. And if anyone, I would say this, anyone who's uh, listening to this has uh, questions about an ESOP, is curious about an ESOP, uh, wants to join an ESOP company, please call me. and I'm serious about that. I, we're We're passionate about it because it's a really great thing again, for that for that um, that strategy, that sort of mission of creating people a foundation for people to thrive and for honoring for just elevating this industry. Um, in in my I'm sorry I'm going to get off my soapbox. I think in our industry it. it's just not it's not acceptable if anyone is like a flat tire away from um, financial devastation. These I mean we work too too hard and uh, and too and and the, do such incredible incredible work. So um, and ESOP is a great pathway to that. And I'd love to chat with anybody about Frierson or ESOP or anything I've talked about. So please reach out. I'd love to talk.
1: What's the best way to get a hold of you, kid? Can-
2: well, my cell phone is, no, I'm just kidding, uh, probably uh, to email me <laughs> at seriously at twfraction.com. I'd love to talk.
1: Oh, awesome, awesome, awesome. Okay, well, we'll drop all that in the show notes for people. Um, you were fabulous, as I assumed you would be Kit. kid. So, um, to our guests uh, and, and to uh, all of our listeners, uh, until next time, adios. Thank you for joining us today and listening to this episode. If this episode did help you,
0: then be sure to share it with someone else who needs to hear it. If you want to be a guest on the podcast or looking for additional help on your journey to find more wealth,
1: scale and freedom in your AEC company, visit our AEC resources page at
0: spotmigration.com backslash AEC hyphen resources.